Well, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's earlier been speaking with Moses and Elijah in that amazing incident when they appear to him and he's transfigured. And it says they were talking with him about the exodus that he was to perform in Jerusalem. And we're talking about his death, his death on the cross, the crucifixion, and all that awaits him in Jerusalem. And there is a real urgency about Jesus' teaching now. He's teaching about the kingdom of God in these chapters after that point where it says he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. We have this batch of teaching. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. And he's calling people to repentance and to live as citizens of God, citizens of the coming kingdom. And in particular, in Luke chapter 12, this chapter, he's calling people to see clearly and to judge rightly. To see clearly and to judge rightly. The chapter begins and ends with Jesus warning the people against hypocrisy. Hypocrites, hypocrisy, crites, literally means judgment. Hypocrites means judgment over another. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 2, at the beginning of this chapter, he says to the crowd, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, that is, their hypocrisy. Beware of their teaching. Beware of the judgments that they make. And here in chapter 12, verse 56, he accuses the crowd of hypocrisy. He, he says, you're able to make judgment about things like the wind and the clouds, but you can't see the bigger picture. Jesus has not just come to bring warm, fuzzy, spiritual feelings. He's not just come to, to give us advice on how we can live more successful, more effective, uh, more fulfilled lives. He, he's not come simply to bring comfort to us in difficult times with the assurance of the love of God and of a better world to come. Jesus is a revolutionary. He has come to turn the world well, not upside down, because it was upside down. He's come to turn it the right way up. He's come to shake people's deepest convictions. He's come to challenge our judgments and the way that we see. He, he, he tells the people that he has come to bring fire to earth, the burning, all-consuming and purifying judgment of God. Perhaps the greatest challenge is the challenge about himself. He tells the people, he tells them that he is the central figure in the kingdom of God in human history, that he is Messiah, the one they've been expecting, the king of the coming kingdom, that he is the eternal son of God, the perfect reflection of God. They struggled with that. He tells them that we are judged by how we see him and respond to him, by how we judge him. In a sense, and he says this, he judges nobody. 
As he says in John's Gospel, I condemn nobody. He's come to speak words of truth and mercy and to speak of God's forgiveness. He speaks the words of God and we judge ourselves by how we respond to them. If we choose to reject him, then we are effectively rejecting life and we are rejecting God and we will be rejected. If we receive him and his free gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit, we will live. One of the thieves who was crucified beside Jesus joined in with the verdict of the world on Jesus. He saw the crucified Jesus, the Jesus who, in the world's eyes, had failed, and he mocked him. But the other thief did not join in the mocking. He sees himself, and he sees Jesus. And he sees with a right seeing, with a right judgment. He challenges the other. We deserve punishment, for for we've done what is wrong, he says. But he also sees the innocence of Jesus and he sees the false judgment of this world and he calls out to Jesus, remember me when you come into his kingdom. And there's another challenge. Jesus has come to establish a new family, a new nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen people. A people that is not united by blood, by biological family, by tribe or nation, but consists of people who are identified by faith with him, in him. This is a family which takes precedence over our human families. Indeed, we read in this passage in Luke 12 that it will split human families Jesus speaks about father against son and son against father, about mother against daughter and daughter against mother, about mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, about a family of five being split into three and two. I need to say a few words about this because it's very easy to misuse this text. Jesus is not saying that people who become followers of Jesus should reject or should abandon their families. Far, far from it. The Old Testament command to honour our parents remains in force. Jesus challenges the Pharisees and the scribes who neglect to care for their parents because they say, well, what I was going to give to them, I've given to the church so I can't support them. Paul speaks of how how those who do not care for their families are worse than unbelievers. But what Jesus is saying is that if there are ever situations where you are forced to make a choice, and at times there will be times when that happens, when you have to make a judgment between your family and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are still to honour your parents or your family. But Christ must come first. 
And Jesus here speaks of situations where people will so hate what he stands for that if members of their family become believers, then they will be accused of betraying their families. And they will be disinherited, disowned, and maybe their lives will be threatened. Sanjit was a young man who many years ago I got to know in, uh, in Hyderabad, in India, when I was visiting. He came from a Muslim family. He became a follower of Jesus Christ. And at the time, his family rejected him. That's why he was in Hyderabad. He had to flee because they'd put out a fatwa on him. And Jesus is speaking about how he has come to bring a new way of looking at things. He speaks about the clouds in the west and the wind from the south. People look at them and know what the weather will be like. The clouds in the west mean rain. The wind from the south means scorching heat. There's a saying in English, red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. I don't know whether there's a similar one in, in Russian, probably there is, but uh, it's so often it's true. If you get a red sky in the evening, it means the next day, more often than not, suddenly begins off beautiful. And Jesus rebukes the crowd. Not because there's anything wrong in judging the weather from the clouds or the wind or what the sky, or what the sky looks like in the evening but because they are only looking at the surface things, the surface level of things or people. They're not looking deeper. We're looking at the external and not the internal. Indeed, more than that, I've, I've got this bit from Rowan Williams. I've been reading a bit of Rowan Williams uh, 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 over, the, over the last few weeks. and. Uh, it's one of those books that he's written, Looking East in Winter, which I, I'm not sure I do recommend. <laughs> it's one of those books you have to read it about four times, read a chapter four times before you begin to even understand or glimpse what he's getting on at. But when you do get there, it, it's very, very profound. But, but Jesus says, you know, but more than that, we're, we're looking at something or someone as that which is completely other from me which either threatens me and must be rejected or is only of interest if it is useful to me and can be used for my purposes or is attractive to me and must be possessed by me. We're looking at something or someone, if you like, this sort of what the attitude that Jesus is, is criticising is when we're looking at someone or something, not as something or someone that has its own integrity, that has been created by the God of love, but we're looking at it as something that can be used. We don't look deeper at the person or thing in their eternal perspective. We don't see them as something or someone that is loved by God, spoken into existence by God. We're simply looking at them from our own perspective. What can I make of them? What can I make of it? And Jesus tells us that when we look at the outer, we are hypocrites. Literally, we are false judges. And Jesus has come to introduce to us a new way of seeing. 
a new way of looking. We discover that in our reading from Hebrews. We're told of men and women in that amazing reading. Natalia, you read that beautifully for us from Hebrews 11. Thank you so much. We're told of men and women who lived by faith, who looked at the invisible, at the coming kingdom. They did amazing things. They walked through sea. They conquered kingdoms. They shut the mouths of lions. They received their dead by resurrection. They did all of that by faith. But the passage also speaks of people who, because of their faith, were willing to endure terrible suffering. They were mocked, flogged, chained and imprisoned. They were stoned to death, sawn in two, killed by the sword. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. And they did it. They did it because they did not judge as the world judged, but because they saw and they judged rightly. They saw the coming kingdom of God. They lived for the kingdom of God. And Jesus has come to challenge the goals of our lives, seeking success, status, power, wealth and happiness. He shows us a new way of living, the way of the cross, of self-denial, of liberating dependence on God of costly obedience, even if it includes suffering and persecution. The beginning of this passage, Jesus talks about the baptism with which he must be baptised. He's talking of his death. He talks of the stress that he is feeling. I don't know whether you noticed that. He says, I am under such stress until it is completed. You don't often think of that. Jesus was really churned up and stressed because of what he had to face. He doesn't want to do it, but he prays, not my will, but yours be done. This passage we've read today, it was really not the passage I would have chosen to preach on coming back from holiday. (laughs) It is dramatic language. It's about fire, it's about judgment, it's about division. But Jesus is speaking here of the clash of two kingdoms, a game of thrones on a cosmic scale. Pray for the grace to see clearly and to judge rightly. Pray that we may see the person of Jesus as the centre of history. Pray that we may see his people, the church, not the institution, because the institution is made up of individuals and individuals are all messed up and the institution is messed up. But see it as the people of God who have lived in different times, who live in different places, but who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus. And we see those people as our true family. Pray that we may see other people with the eyes of faith, as people created by and beloved by God. And pray that we might see the simple things of this world, the wind and clouds, not just as something to be used by us, for instance, to forecast the weather or to tell us that we need to carry an umbrella, 
but as signs of the love of God, of the kingdom of God. In a few moments, we're going to take bread and wine. They are bread and wine, wafers and wine, and biologically, they remain wafers and wine. But as we eat, pray that we might eat with faith, looking beyond through the visible to the invisible, because then we will see the bread and wine, ordinary bread, ordinary wine, as the presence of the eternal Lord Jesus Christ, as his body and blood, and they will become for us a sign of the love of God, of the presence of God with us, of the love that he has for us, of that which unites the family of God, and the sign of the coming kingdom of God. Father God, would you open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, that we might see clearly and judge rightly. Amen.